0: Welcome to The Age of Audio. My name's Graham Brown from the award-winning podcast agency, Pickle & Co. The Age of Audio is a series of conversations with thought leaders and changemakers in the world of audio. That's podcasts, radio, and social audio converging with big data to create engaging and authentic content for a new generation of listeners. All right, James, let's get straight into it. I know you're a man with an opinion.
1: Let's do it. Love this kind of thing.
0: (laughs) Gloves off. I know you're not going to do the what do you know now that you didn't know question. So let me come from a different angle. What is it that you believe about podcasting that others don't get yet or maybe disagree with you on?
1: I think that we're going to start to see the rise of the audio first influencer Mm -hmm. who builds a cross channel, cross-platform, cross-format brand. And I think that's something that people aren't expecting to happen in the way that I think that it will. So what I mean by that is what we have YouTubers and we have Instagram influencers, and these guys are well-recognized. People know them. They have deemed fame and success and all the things that come with that. And they've started their brands on these well-known social platforms. And I think that we will see this happen in the next year, 18 months, two years with more and more podcasters. We have a few already. Someone like Joe Rogan, for example, is primarily known for his podcast, which isn't really accurate because he was TV personality and did MMA. That kind of thing is presenting before his podcast. But I guess the majority of people know him for his pod. And then he's grown a brand from there. I think we will see more and more of that. And I think that's mm. something That is not, I think it's underestimated.
0: So what would they be like, an audio first influencer? Would they be qualitatively different to an Instagram influencer?
1: I think I'm making the distinction that they will, their primary channel will be a podcast or some kind of audio content. I might be wrong here. It's unlikely, but I might be. Um, So, you know, where you might have an Instagram influencer whose rise and their success and their notoriety came from Instagram first, I think we'll start to see the same, but from podcast first, more and more so. And I think it already exists. I think it'll become more recognized as Mm. a primary channel. And all of these people, by the nature of, this is just a game of attention. The whole thing, this whole podcasting, marketing, storytelling thing, it's a case of attention arbitrage. If you go back a really long way, you used to write stories on the walls, then We had paper and pens and we wrote that way. And then we had books. Then we had the wireless, the radio, the television, then the age of the internet. And the attention has just moved from one to the other. They don't necessarily replace each other. When your mum got a microwave, she didn't stop using the oven. She added it, right? And now, you know, along came the internet. We had Facebook, Instagram took some of the attention from Facebook. TikTok's come along, taken some of that attention and it's moved. And the young people tend to move faster than the older generations. It's moved from Instagram, maybe to TikTok. And my grandfather was just shy of 102 when he passed away. And he said in his last couple of years, just to meet me, James, the thing is, none of this is new. Things are just going round in circles, just sometimes it takes time. So podcasting's super exciting, but it's just a new version of the radio. I've been listening to stuff since I was a young boy in 19... 19- 25 1926 i remember listening to the wireless at home with my parents and now you're making podcasts and we're listening in just the same way we did when it was trendy in 1925 so we haven't really invented a new thing it's just coming back into fashion again and attention is therefore moving there so i think that's how you'll see the rise of more influential figures in the space
0: yeah it's an old behaviour for sure isn't it yeah with I mean, it's new not technology And even if you look at those old vintage photographs of families gathered around the wireless, like your granddad would have been, they were physically large wooden cabinets, weren't they? They were. Sitting around these pieces of furniture, listening to I Love Lucy or whatever it was back in the 40s and 50s, then people used to actually gather. And in a way, there's a sense that that's coming back, isn't it, That with podcasts, that they're creating this connection that doesn't exist in our lives today, you know, look at where we are in the last couple of years, what's happened to us, right?
1: I think so. And I think that you, what you make there is a, an interesting side point that I wonder whether we'll become a thing again. So with the rise of attention and with more traffic moving to a space, people take it more seriously, I guess, and you know, more becomes invested in it for obvious gain. And I think that one of the things that lacks when there isn't as much attention and therefore time and money and love spent is that the quality of storytelling isn't as great. One of the challenges in a the podcast from a, a hobbyist or this whole low low barrier to entry, I can record it for nothing, I can upload it for nothing. That thing also tends to manifest bad storytelling. And that is as simple as a beginning, a middle and an end. And as that arises, it becomes more enjoyable. Um, one of the things that I think isn't talked about, so you talk about my granddad in maybe what's that nearly a hundred years ago, I suppose, they would sit around as a family, whereas podcasting has become a very solo activity. You put your headphones on. One of the reasons it works, one of the reasons it's successful is that you feel like you've got a friend in your Mm. ears. There's that sort of intimate relationship, that friendship that you gain with the host. Another topic I could talk about for ages, the importance of defining the host in a show. But I think that what we might see is the idea of people listening to podcasts together again, in Mm. a similar way that maybe the radio is listened to together. I don't know, but I think it might happen, but I think it will be more in a different format. So I think potentially, especially with what's happened during the pandemic and the live streaming concept that you're going to start to see things like live streamed podcast events. Mm. So in the UK, we have a show live at the Apollo. I don't know where in the world this is going, but or how well known live at the Apollo is, but I can imagine a live at the Apollo-esque situation for podcasting. Mm. So you buy a ticket, it's probably streamed online. It probably isn't a Zoom call because you've got fatigue, but you sit there with your pizza in the evening. And what you watch is three or four podcasters, one after the other, either do a live interview or a panel discussion or something. And they're all well known for being podcasts and it's audio first, but you'll probably see the visual and they'll all be connected through a theme. So they might all be in the, I don't know, social purpose space. So they're people you're kind of interested in and then they will all bring their communities together and I will sit there with my partner and my children and we'll watch it and we'll enjoy it. And we'll be a fan of one or two of the podcasters, but we'll probably be discovering new ones as well. And there might be that kind of experience. I can see that sort of thing manifesting itself Mm. from podcasting in the next couple of years. Does that sound crazy to you?
0: No, not really. If you consider that, if you look at it in the context of radio, that's been happening for some time, right? Sure. And now, like you say, like your granddad Wisely said, it all just comes around.
1: It just, come, yeah. He said, what well, we're really new.
0: seeking out is that sort of that event, like shared experience, isn't it? It's sure, just manifesting in different
1: ways. And I think another thing which I don't hear talked about very often, but pre-pandemic, there was this big. You've got to always been consuming content, and the way I would explain mm. the need for a podcast was like it's something that you can do whilst you're doing other things because you've got this active and passive listening of podcasting. And I think that pre pandemic, it was probably quite a passive activity. I would do it because I'd got to a point in my life as a human where I was running around. I was always doing something. I was going here, going there. I would often be watching telly in the evening. I would be streaming Netflix with my laptop open and my phone. So I'd have three screens going. So I needed this constant stimulation from content and whatever. So when I got on the bus or on the underground, which I thankfully haven't been on for a long time, I couldn't possibly just. Stand there in silence and think about the day. I needed something, and that's what I used a podcast for. But since I haven't been on the underground for 18 months, Mm. whatever, I think that need has kind of changed. And my podcast consumption has definitely gone from being passive because of a neurological change or stimulation that I needed to being very active. Now I put a podcast on and I go for a walk, or I would sit and watch it on YouTube Mm. and I don't do anything else while I'm doing it. And I think. I don't know what you think. Is that something that you agree with? Or hmm. maybe as we go back to the old habits creep back in, maybe it'll go back to this, like, I've just got to be taking something in. But I think that hmm. is breaking. Not good for us either.
0: Take something like, as an example, like when mobile games came out first, right? Or mobile content first came out, because that's the world I came from, mobile. And so we're going back, like, early 2000s, when Snake was, like, state of the art. and sms games as well that was really cutting edge stuff and the sort of the rationale for those content producers was it was filling dead time so you know bus stops all the kind of situations you told about and that was how people got used to it and however that has changed and it's moved and evolved and it like mobile apps completely have evolved from being just sort of time fillers to something a lot more active in our lives this content finds its Behavioral niche in there at the beginning because it's like not competing against anything apart from boredom. And yet, once it's got its foothold there, it sort of grows. And I think that's happening, like you say, I'm talking about this active listening now. Well, that seems to be competing with Netflix and your phone now. So it has to stand on its own feet now, right? And be worthy in a great story and great content in its own right, rather than just being better than like just staring at the underground map, right?
1: I think so. I mean, Yeah, I think that's exactly true. And one of the things that we're going to see moving forward that I think will disrupt the industry, the podcasting... uh, No, I hate the word disrupt, and I don't mean that. The necessity for good content, good Mm. quality content in terms of storytelling is going to continue to rise for the reasons that you just said.
0: Like, in your opinion... James, like, who tells great stories and who's a a master of this craft in podcasting, at least? Who engages you?
1: Interesting question, that. I don't know if we talked about this before.
0: You Um, may have done. I mean, you've only mentioned Joe Rogan as a starting point, right?
1: So, for me, I mean, there are lots of genres in podcasting. So, I think it's dangerous to blanket approach this. But so I'm going to answer the question slightly differently. I'll give you a, a straight, simple answer. For me, the gold standard is Alex that makes Call Her Daddy. Mm. I would say that is an exemplary version of great audio storytelling. Mm. She has incredibly well integrated advertising right off the bat, hooks you in first 30 seconds of every show. She's delivering on the title of the show, which I think is so important. She also creates cliffhangers. She shares Mm. enough of her own story so that you're emotionally bought into her. She's vulnerable enough so that she becomes relatable. And she leaves you needing to come back next week to find out what might happen. And then she integrates that with interviews or conversations or topics as per any other podcast. So for me right now, that as a Mm. just piece of work is fantastic and then on top of that she's built an incredible brand from her podcast so you can get the merchandise you can interact with her on social media she makes herself available she makes it easy for you to be a fan Mm. and i think that's another thing that you will absolutely see in the next 24 36 months is those podcasters who make it easy for you to be a fan of their show will see continued success and those who don't won't because we're not going to start listening to 15 podcasts. I listen to six or seven podcasts max at any one time and probably not more than 10 or 12 total. So as more podcasts are released, which is just gonna exponentially get quicker, that doesn't mean I'm gonna start listening to more. So you've got to win and hold and retain my attention. And the best way of doing that is to build relationships and be where my attention is all the time, not just in the podcast.
0: Very interesting. Is that the base of that podcast, a traditional interview?
1: I guess some of it's monologue stuff, some of it's right. interview stuff. Have you listened to it?
0: Not recently.
1: Have a listen. Don't listen with kids, parents, Okay. just as a health warning, probably.
0: <laughs>
1: Don't put it on in the car and go, oh, I wonder what this thing James said. Because, yeah.
0: yeah. Not safe for work curious because like, that's if you know if you take that as the base of pretty much most podcast out there apart from the very rich audio storytelling narratives that maybe gives people an idea of what's possible how do you take what what is very traditionally man speaks to man about man's let's face it boring backstory don't, i mean that's what do, it is
1: that's don't do it it's the answer right no, no. but how do you no, no, then no, progress to true. that to
0: what you talked about i mean like alex's podcast like how do you go from Effectively, I mean, you could approach it the same, couldn't you? What do you need to do differently, and how does that sort of hook you in as a fan?
1: Okay, so there's a number of things that you. There's a great, a great question is how do you take the standard, what we call two people one microphone mm. internally, we call it two people one microphone as one type of podcasting, and they're works of art as another, and they're very different things. and You approach them in different ways. The question is how do you take a two person one microphone podcast and make it better make mm. it more interesting well one of the things that we do at the company that i run is what we call like a podcast review it's essentially like a health check of the show that mm. you started making to see where you're at and the same things tend to come up one of them is and we'll just talk about one of my favorites one of the things i think moves the dial the most that is to define the character that the host plays in the show and make sure that they're clearly identifiable because there are three stakeholders in your podcast. Mm -hmm. There are there's you as the host, there's the listener, and there are any brands or sponsors or partners. Those are the three key stakeholders. Those are the people that you see all the time. The a stakeholder is not, a guest is not a stakeholder. They come and they go. But most people typically when they start put all of the work onto the guest. So the guest turns up, they're unpredictable. You don't know mm. what they're going to be like. You don't know if they're working for themselves or they're working for you in the interview. They don't know if, you don't know if they've got your back. Often it goes haywire or they're different personalities and you can't get it back. And it changes the whole nature of an episode, which you feel obliged to put out. If you don't clearly understand who you are and the stance that you're taking, then mm. it's really hard to understand how you fit there. So one of the things we often ask to people is why you? Like, why are you hosting this show? And often, just by the nature of podcasts and entrepreneurship and men's mental health and all these popular topics, it can be like, well, why can't I just host your podcast? Why do we need you? Like, what's the lens with which you're seeing Hmm. the world that you're sharing? Because otherwise, if you think I've only listened to six or seven shows, I'm gonna listen to one that's I'm already listening to that's just slightly different. If you're just doing the circuit of guests and you're getting on this ex-famous rugby player and this guy and whatever, like, there's another one. So who are you? Why are you in the show? What are you bringing to it? How are you tying it back to you because you're the person who's going to be there next week? And I think that's a real way to move. Just don't think about it as two people, one microphone. We don't call them interviews. We ever, ever, ever refer to anything as interviews. They're conversations at worst.
0: What then lies between that getting that conversation where you have a defined host and you mentioned things like vulnerability as well and man speaks to man like what is missing like especially if we take it into the b2b space or corporates or people who aren't of the world of radio or natural storytellers what's that chasm that lies between yes i get what you're saying james and their current default position and how do you get them across that
1: okay I'm going to walk you through the things that we tend to define so that we can then put those into show format. So the first, and this is often people refer to podcasting as, especially hosts refer to podcasting as a bit like therapy. You get to talk to people, you get to learn, you get to discover, you get to, it's like that whole kind of, you know, the whole rubber duck theory. Is that what it's called? No, where you talk to like, sometimes therapy can be called bit like rubber ducking, isn't it? Because you're just you the concept of therapy is really that you keep talking and you find stuff out. Well, this has often parallels to that. So you've got to understand, because you're sharing it with the world, where you're starting. The first thing to do is look at yourself personally, a bit of reflection, and understand what are your values, what do you stand for, what's important to you, what are you going to stand by and not stand by? Because those things normally will then inform the podcast, right? Then makes it very clear for your editor or for you or whoever is controlling something in post because hopefully there'll be some kind of post-production. A good quality podcast is a highlight reel of a conversation, not a conversation. In this recording here, I've given you space hopefully to talk, to share some of your own thoughts you were telling me earlier on. That will give a nice balance when you cut out some of my waffle to the two sides. And then we've got a conversation, not just you interviewing me, asking me a question if it's 3%, 97%, 3%. like That's not good. Uh, So the first thing is values. What are your values? What do you stand for? The second thing that I think that we get people to think about is their icons and tokens. So recurring motifs, objects, brands, things that you are passionate about from that perspective, because they might repeat. Through the show. So, for example, you might be really passionate about what it's like to be a young person in 2021. That is a clear icon of you as a person that can then continue to repeat. People can become familiar with that. The next one, which is kind of similar, is rituals and familiarities. So, recurring phrases, segments that might appear in your show, like topics that you always cover, that kind of thing. What's important in your own life from that perspective. What do you do? What comes naturally to you? Because then you can start to engineer that easily in your favor. A really clearly identified origin story, I think, is really important. What is your origin story in six bullet points? The more that you speak on other podcasts, which is probably the best way to promote any podcast, another conversation, the more you realize that you need to explain your origin story in a few bullet points. That's totally relevant. You haven't got 15 minutes because no one cares where you went to school. No punchline, no one's interested. it's just going to get cut. so how do you describe your entire story in six bullet points and if you a prime example of this is someone like Gary Vaynerchuk, people give him a hard time because I'll take or mock him I guess but but he's turned his origin story into six bullet points. I'm an immigrant, we moved to America. we did this we grew up with not very much. I started my first business I turned my dad's Wine store from five to 30 million dollars. Like you can tell his life story in six bullet points and everybody knows it, but that's great. It's well communicated. Mm. It makes sense. It stands out. I can tell you what it is now rather than this r- long rambling version. What language do you like to use? What kind of keywords or phrases do you use on a regular basis? Do you repeat, come out naturally? Because like they might become a catchphrase of your podcast. They might become things that people like that familiarity it works. That's why catchphrases exist. So the more you can become conscious of that, the more you can use that when you're developing your show. So it's these little things that can make you influential in being the host of your show, rather than necessarily it being a battle of you taking up more talking time. Other interesting things to think about are mentors. Who do you look up to? Who that you will always repeat? Like for example, Gary Vaynerchuk being one of mine. I built most of my business based on just consuming ridiculous amounts of his content and then applying what he actually says rather than just hearing it. I'm quite open about that. I mention it on an ongoing basis. It's easier for people to start to feel an affinity to you if they Mm. can relate you to other stuff. What are your superpowers? Why are you specifically relevant for this podcast? What are your areas of expertise? What lens do you see the world through? Often, we sometimes call this the 5% rule. So most people, a good example of this is I've got a friend who's got a YouTube channel. She was really into knitting and she really liked dogs. Now, there are people who know more about knitting. My mum knows probably more about knitting than she does because she's twice her age. And there's definitely people who know about dogs. So she wanted to start a YouTube channel. And she was like, well, I like these things, but they're going to be hard to niche in. So she put them together and she started knitting dog jumpers. Now she has an entire business is all about knitting dog jumpers. No one knows more about that than her. She took these two things in her 5%. 95% of our lives are the same, right? It's that 5% that's different. So simple in a business format, like what's my lens with which I look at podcasting that makes me stand out from someone else. But you need to do this yourself in your area of expertise. And then the last one is pagans, things that you don't like. What are you anti? So like I'm very openly anti the old guard of podcasting and I'm anti ad exchanges. And I like, will use those. I'm difficult about it. I use it as a bit of a weapon to create a bit of buzz. Like I will say controversial things about ad exchanges. I'm inflammatory on purpose. As part of my character, that's what I want to get known for. That's how, that's a, just a trick for me to stand out. The more I'm hard on ad exchanges, the sooner everyone in podcasting is going to know who I am. And that's to my advantage. I don't actually mean it the way I say it. I do, but- but I stand behind my reasoning. So, but your pagans could be much, much simpler than that. It could just be capitalism or it could Mm. be whatever it might be. But if you can start to understand all these kinds of things about your character and you look at yourself first, then you'll see or understand how they easily reflect into your podcast. And then you start to be more considered in your approach and the things that you say. And in turn, that will build your bigger character in the show, which is the thing that recurs because you're one of the key stakeholders. And that will help your show grow. That was a long-winded answer, but
0: it's a great hopefully answer. there was something in there. Oh, no, there's a lot in there. i have to distill that down. What, what's your 5%, James?
1: Oh, it's a great question. I don't think it's something that you can ever nail entirely, but my 5% from a work perspective is definitely podcasting meets human behavior. So it's like I've got a good, solid understanding of podcasting and storytelling and I've got a good understanding of human behavior and social and I'm definitely agnostic as to content formats where mm. they belong. You know, I don't make a judgment about TikTok. I just get on and consume it mm. and learn and understand. Um, yeah, something like that.
0: Interesting, because I mean, most people are engineers, essentially, in the podcasting space. Yeah. Audio engineers, X radio. Yeah. They bring that baggage, right?
1: Yeah, or ex-agency I mean, a, even, right? Exactly, ex-agency. Right, as a business, we, you know, I think the reason that we're doing the things that we're doing is we're building a tech product that will solve growth challenges for podcasters, but we're also practitioners on a day-to-day basis. So there seems to be two sides of the industry. There are those who make content, the production side, and there's some great conversations with some amazing people doing some amazing stuff. And then you've got the tech side. You've got the people building the hosting mm. platforms, or whatever. And they never seem to do both or have a grasp of the other. We making a product based on our problems that we had as a production company. So everything is creative
0: first. Both, right? yeah. Everything I mean... is
1: creator first. We're talking to someone recently whose biggest thing they, they think that one of creators' biggest problems is SEO. It's not because I've never, ever, 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 period, had a conversation with a podcast host or creator who's gone, do you know what's really stressing me out? Is my SEO on my episodes isn't great enough? They don't care. That's not what they're worried about. They don't I, know bet, worry I bet about
0: what that. they are worrying about is their audience.
1: They're worrying about all the obvious stuff. Like, how do mm. I make money? How to get more listeners? My answers yeah. to that are... The audience, right. You get more listeners by building a great brand. Stop selling and build brands. Stop mm. worrying about how many listens you get today. And think about how do you let someone be a fan of your show? And you make money by diversifying your being available in more places to more people doing mm. interesting stuff
0: you've been listening to the age of audio with me graham brown from the award-winning podcast agency pickle and co to get access to all the audio conversations and book content for the age of audio go to www.theageofaudio.com one more time the